Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hello, I'm Felipe Jaramillo, Head of Sales and Digital Recruitment, and today we present the Act Like the Startup and Win the War of Talent podcast series, where we speak to startup leaders around the globe to share strategies and best practices on how to attract and retain your best talent. Today, Ricardo Chavero, founder of Network, will be with us sharing about the talent strategies he has implemented with his team and the trends he has seen in the labor market. Welcome, Ricardo. Hi, Felipe. Thanks a lot for having me here. Ricardo, we would like to, to know better how do you do things in, net, in network. So I would like to start to ask you, Ricardo, what is network? Thanks, Felipe. Well, we start at trying to solve a huge problem in Mexico and Latin America uh, several years ago. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about the, the stock market. And a few years ago, I found out in a book from a Mexican publisher called Editorial Porrua that is called Mexicanos a la Bolsa, Mexicans to the Stock Market, if I may translate it like that. Uh, there was this number that just stick in my head. It, it was 0.35% of the population in Mexico was currently investing. I'm talking about uh, 2009. And like 10 years later, it was still the same number, like 0.35% of the, of the population. We are currently a country of more than uh, 130 million people. And just that number stick with me. And for me, it was like, why is that? Why, why we invest so little in Mexico compared to other economies? 60% of the population, 70% of the population in China, almost 90% for the population invest in the stock market. I, I also found out another huge problem that is, it's going to be a huge problem in Mexico and Latin America. And today is really a problem, the retirement problem. And more than 80% of the population in Latin America, they are not going to have anything, anything for their retirement. So since we're an aging population in, in the world, but especially in Mexico and America Latina, uh, for me, it was like two problems that just could get a solution. If people start investing in the stock market, the right amount, with the right uh, financial literacy, with the right uh, financial advising, and they start doing for retirement, then we could have this solution. So network, we are a digital platform aiming to create a, a accessible and con consumer product at financial advising, especially right now for the retirement. So we, we create um, robo-advisor or portfolios through algorithms, and we mainly do it that for retirement planning. That is like our main goal in, in network. Great, Ricardo. Very innovative way to improve the retirement of the Mexicans. Ricardo, in three words, what are the keys that you have used to build a successful team? Well, three, two words. I, I would say uh, first, 
you have to have culture. Second, you have to have skills. And three, you have to have the willingness to, you have to love that problem. You have to have passion for that problem. And we have found uh, uh, recently, I was reading this uh, amazing book. It's called High Output Management by the CEO of Intel. He, he passed away a few years ago. And I love it. He had like uh, this phrase that just stick with me that it says, uh, employees, they only have two reasons because uh, they only have two reasons for doing or not job. And one is they have the skills and they have the will to do, to do their job. Uh, so uh, he was talking about the job of the manager. You have to improve motivation and you have to have training. So those two key words, I, I think it's one of the building stones for just building a successful team. Uh, but of course, you have to find like the right, the right talent for be able to do that. Really important. And passion is very contagious. Ricardo, how do you attract the top talent in your startup? Well, that, that was a really tough subject. The beginning, it was kind of easy. My business partner and I, we used to be in a NGO called Isaac. So at the beginning, it was like a, like a cheat code because we have similar values. We have a similar uh, a way of thinking. We want to create a, a real impact in the world. We want to help a lot of people. So at the beginning, just having that network, it was kind of a cheat code because uh, automatically we start building like a great culture at the beginning. But when you start like uh, when you like you don't have any more network and you start uh, hiring people outside your network. That, that's really when we notice that hey, so something's wrong here. What, what's going on? Why we're not uh, finding the right talent? So we have to, uh, because at the beginning, it was kind of easy. You, you just sell the dream, right? Like, and that is one of the jobs of a CEO. You have to sell the dream. Like, hey, we're trying to change this problem, huge problem in Latin America, Mexico. And there are a lot of people needing this. And it was kind of easy. But... After you like uh, you finish your your network or your first circle of contacts, you have to start finding somewhere else, and that's probably when you have to start looking what's going on on the on the startup scene. the The kind of exchange in a startup is the stocks, the the dream, right? Because usually you find the market dynamics of the of the wages. Uh, let's say you are trying to hire like a, a developer, a full stack developer. Okay, and let's say that for this example, the the average uh, wage of this full stack uh, developer it's uh, two thousand dollars. Okay, and probably as a startup, if you haven't found uh, of if you haven't raised enough capital and you are just starting to to develop, uh, probably you're not gonna be able to pay that. So what you have to do is maybe it's going to be 20%, uh, 25% uh, below the market average. But you, you have to sell the dream. That, that is a must. 
and usually you have to keep the stock options because that that is maybe the only way that you can more or less have an, an equal uh, leverage against other companies hey yeah maybe you are not working for a big company you are maybe certain with a little company but if we are able to succeed if we're able to raise uh, this amount of capital if we get this valuation then look your option your vesting is going to be this much valuable so at the beginning you have to start like uh, giving these uh, small perks and so some things that are usually like uh, yeah you're going to have always remote work uh, you have to have a cool office now with the pandemic it's uh, that changed you have to have like a cool office uh, you don't have to have like a work schedule uh, it, you have to be a little bit more free you, you have to be willing to give those perks uh, because they are willing to accept below the average uh, market wage so I, I believe those two components are really important. If I'm gonna be below the market average, how how I'm I'm gonna be able to, to convince people? Because yeah, the dream is cool, is great, but not everyone is gonna be willing to uh, just work for the dream. And many when you're starting as a, a small team, I I read once from Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb. He was talking about like the first 15 employees on Airbnb. They have to love, they have to be passionate about that. And the first time I read that, it was like, yeah, but should everyone be doing that, right? Because at the beginning we were just like, uh, oh yeah, they are gonna, they are employees and they are gonna be helping to, to operations, finance, whatever we're hiring. And once you start to change that and you realize that there are great companies, but great companies are made of great people, then you start changing your mindset. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm not just needing someone to to solve this problem that I have. I'm, I'm building a great company and great companies need to be great, uh, built on great teams. So once we start changing our mindset, we have to develop like a system, how we're going to find these people. And what, one of the key things that I remember from a lecture from this, uh, from Star from Stanford, from Brancheski, he was telling like uh, at the beginning, what he usually does on, on the interviews, he was telling about uh, what is Airbnb, what, what they're aimed to, to solve, what their mission, vision. And if the other person was like enlightened, they were like, oh, this is great. Then he was like, oh, we have to keep this interview. And if the people, he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Like, maybe I don't care. He was like, then probably it's gonna, I'm going to stop the interview. So uh, we try to find, to find people that they are really passionate about their finances because, uh, I mean, everyone uses money. So we always try to find people that they are really care they they really care about financial literacy how we can expand this how we can help others because they are real problems and they can see solutions right away so that is one of our how we try to find this top down thank you ricardo very interesting strategy i think the that passion is the key for this process 
And talking about process, Ricardo, do you have a process to attract or select top talent for your company? I understand that you describe key points in the interview, but do you have an established process for the talent? Yeah, at, at the beginning, we, we didn't. And that is, uh, you should have. If you're a third, you should have like uh, a process. At the beginning, we didn't. So it was kind of uh, buggy. We, we, we were not advancing on recruitment as we would like. Uh, but then we start like, I'm a numbers guy. So I start like putting some numbers. But we decided to do this. We make an, an int, we have a questionnaire, a survey, a small survey. And in each step of the process, usually three or interview stops, um, they're going to have like qualifications. And those questions, they are mainly based on does the, does the interview has uh, created, uh, does he have the skills? And the third question, does he have a cultural fit? So once we start putting that question, is this guy or girl is going to be a cultural fit? That changed a lot. And after doing like, I don't know, 50, 60 interviews, you start getting a score. So what we did is, okay, we know that people 8.5 and above, they're usually going to be like a great match for network. So we have to start building at, at the beginning uh, with, with numbers that we create correlations and we're doing some, some math there. Uh, but we found out that, yeah, that, that was great. At least it was more yeah, objective because usually when you're hiring, uh, there's a lot of subjectivity. And so we start creating like this uh, model. Um, we have a lot of referrals. Usually that is one of the, of the best keys in if the people that are there already in network refers uh, and other people, that that usually a, a good thing. But we have to develop like an objective system how we can uh, really target our our new highways. Great, Ricardo. Ricardo, we talked about passionate people. What are the main skills you try to find in your team? Well, we are. A, mainly a, a sales driven company. Uh, so one of the main key things uh, and skills we're looking for is they have to be intelligent. They have to be smart. They have to be able to speak. And we ask questions. They have to be able to, to answer. It doesn't matter the position. Very interesting, Ricardo. Ricardo, we would like to know more about you. We know you have been part of the startup and entrepreneurial world for so long. What are the most common and the most innovative benefits you have seen that startup software? So usually you have to have like private insurance, at least like a minimum private insurance. And on the wellness, usually what most startups do is, um, okay, you pay your gym or membership, and then we're going to make a refund. Or you can use like a pass membership. There are a lot of apps and companies that they have like these connections with uh, wellness centers, uh, gyms. So we us usually pay like half of that membership off or the whole membership. And that, that is a way you can like uh, be promoting like health benefits. Uh, some startups, what they do uh, before pandemic, 
uh, they go to I don't know somewhere just to plant a small tree, and you have like this uh, team building, and you're also doing like a little bit of exercise. So you you have to have like uh, wellness uh, as, a, as a given part if if you're a startup. Uh, but I think that probably the most important thing is stock options. You have to have stock options because they're going to be willing to stay long enough so you can improve your retain rate. And if they're going to be willing to grow in the, in the long term, they're going to have to be like something for them, right? You have to have something in the long term that you're going to be willing to stay long enough in a company. Thank you, Ricardo. Looks like stock options are king between all these benefits. But what are the benefits yeah. that are more requested by candidates, Ricardo? Well, even before pandemic, one of the benefits uh, more requested by candidates it was remote work. Um, we know that if you don't know Mexico City, it's a, it's a mess trying to move from point A to point B. So that was really, really requested. Uh, um, by some candidates, even before pandemic, uh, because usually you're gonna be taking like one hour, an hour and a half, even, and every day that's three hours of your life. And yeah, it was like really requested. Uh, like you have to have like remote, um, you have to have like flexible schedules, right? Uh, so since the beginning, we were like whistles, Based company, we didn't ask for you have to be eight hours, six hours. That doesn't exist here. You have to have this result, right? And you have to be able to 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 rate. Uh, and probably is not requested by many candidates. But as a digital company, you have to be learning. You have to be learning, and you have to encourage your your employees. Uh, to be learning all the time. That I think that maybe it's not requested. It was requested by maybe one or two. Uh, but if you're a digital company, you have to be learning all the time because tomorrow it's going to be different. So you have to encourage your employees. We Every week we have like uh, TED Talks where maybe telling them about a book or something. But you, you always have, if you have like these memberships, um, like uh, these MOOCs, right? Like uh, media platforms uh, that you have uh, courses, uh, you have to share with them because that's probably going to be like a really good investment in the long term. It's not requested, but as a digital company, I I suggest that you should strongly do that as a, a perk. If they are not using, you have to push it a little bit because that's going to be like a long term investment for. With the company. And Ricardo, how different generations are reacting among benefits? Do you think the younger generations have, are having different demands than the older ones? Absolutely. I, I think the millennials, they were more willingly to have like experiences and maybe take uh, challenges and maybe more risky, less risky adverse, if you want to say like that. And But now the so-called millennials, they're not exactly looking for that. They're looking for more uh, security, stability, 
uh, yeah, maybe some experiences, but um, uh, what what we start to notice is that we used to have now we don't have so much uh, like older people in in network, uh, but they were really struggling with with technology. Since the beginning, we we decided to be a fintech. So at the beginning, they were really struggling with the technology, and when the pandemic arrived, some of those people they decided to to, to quit. They decided to, to to change even from from business because they were not willing to like catch up with what was going on. And they were like, yeah, maybe in four months, don't worry, I'm gonna be catching up. Uh, yeah, but it's been two years, right? So if you're not willing to change drastically, that's gonna be a, a problem. And yeah, younger generations, they adapt like a different thing. Millennials probably were eager more to, to adapt because we're a little bit uh, less risk adverse. Uh, but the, the the next generation they're really looking for like uh, I'm gonna have a retirement plan. Uh, how should I be the retirement plan? What we decided to do, for example, in this specific, is that since we're a retirement planning company, uh, we offer to all of our employees private plan, and we and we develop the portfolio for them. So, uh, but you start notice with different generations. How risk-averse they are. I am willing to put more in stocks. I'm willing to put more in bonds. So it's it's gonna be something that we will have to adapt in the long term. Uh, how to work between generations because they are looking for different things. And you have to understand when you are pitching to a candidate, uh, which perks or which uh, benefits that you have. They're gonna be more easier to, to to accept, right? And you're gonna you're not gonna be making like a different like benefit for every generation, right? But if you have a set of benefits, you have to be like, uh, okay, which benefit should I, I be teaching to each generation specifically, right? Because you're gonna be willing to hear more, like, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for, right? How can companies define a successful benefit strategy that could match all the profiles? Uh, I mean, that, that's a little bit more complex, but one of the things, probably with uh, managerial positions, you have to be having one-on-ones like all the time, even as CEO uh, or chief operations uh, officer, you have to have one-on-ones with your, with your people. And you have to listen. I, I think that the best way to define a successful benefit strategy is to listen. Be able to listen to your to your colleagues, and I think that's that's the only way you can start changing the what what they are looking for, what do they want, uh, what do they need. Uh, for example, with pandemic, we noticed that, um, and maybe for some people it's a given. But some of our advisors, they were having troubles uh, with uh, with video calls because they didn't have internet. And probably for for most of all of, of of the people, it's like, yeah, you have to have internet. But this specific advisor, he didn't have internet in his home, and 
And at that point, you're like, okay, then don't worry, we're gonna pay for for your internet, and we're gonna give you a chair, and we're gonna, gonna give you some some other perks, right? And 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 I think that's really important. Just listen to to what their their demands. Probably that's how you can like create a, a better strategy. Ricardo, and how do you communicate the benefits you offer and your employer value proposition? Well, usually at the first interview, that's going to be a given. And you you have to, like, uh, if you have uh, internal communications platforms, uh, network, intranet, uh, you have to be, like, reminding them that uh, usually what what it works is just to make comparisons, right? Like, look, the average wage of this position, more or less in the industry, is this, and you have these perks. And some of the startups have these perks, right? And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I have those perks. Because usually when, when you don't know other options, you're like, ah, maybe I could get more. When, when you start looking like other options and you have like this comparison, and then you're like, oh, yeah, probably I should stay at network because uh, they're paying actually more than the average, and they're giving these perks, and they're giving the stock option. And so, so you have to be like communicating all the time. Maybe not all the time, but yeah, once maybe once in a month, maybe once every three months. And you have to have an internet or network or some communication. A tool that you can always be like, yeah, like a kind of uh, social network, but for your company, you have to have something like that so you can keep like uh, communicating these, these efforts. Maybe not so straightforward, but you you have to be like uh, putting all those notes on on a blackboard, and they have to be to look at. Definitely, that's important in every company. Ricardo, it has been amazing to hear more about you. Thanks for sharing all these tips and ideas. We are pretty sure that startups will get some ideas and multinationals can start innovating to become more competitive and attractive. Thanks everyone who is listening to the Act Like a Startup and Win the War of Talent series podcast. And don't miss the other global interviews with startup leaders. Thank you, Ricardo. Thanks a lot.